Welcome to Manga University. Brought to you by the Tao of Otaku. I'm Ziki. And I'm Bill. And this is the podcast for manga and comic book creators and fans alike that want to dive deeper into the art of creating great stories. You see, Bill and I are comic creators trying to perfect our craft, and we simply like to bring you guys along with us. And I think that makes us really, really great protagonists for this particular show. Don't you think, Bill? But you can, can't you only have like one protagonist? So does that make me like your sidekick? <laughs> or maybe it's a Game of Thrones thing where you, you, you betray Oh, me. yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> you, you, you don't really know who the protagonist is. Although, you know, everyone loves Jon Snow, but you really yeah, follow to be honest, all the I, 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 I honestly think that he's the protagonist, but we'll find out in the end. If you haven't already guessed, today we're going to be talking about protagonists. I mean, this particular arc of the podcast will be focusing on characters. So today we'll be protagonists. Next week we'll be secondary characters. And then finally we'll round up with villains and antagonists. But in any case, Bill, talk to me. Tell me what you think when the word protagonist... Actually, why don't we start with the definition? I mean, I'm, I'm sure our readers are very smart, but it's always good to start with definitions so that we're, we're sure we're on the same page. When, when we say protagonist, we also mean hero. And that means from someone's perspective that we view the story, the lens through which we are observing the world. That person is also the driving motivator for the story. Uh, one of the things that I, I often say when I'm talking about characters in world building is that the world can exist without the main character. So when a character is put in that position, they are actually pushing a story of their own, which we're following. And that story that we're following has to, or it doesn't have to, but it's usually an exceptional or an amazing goal that's out of this world. I would say that exceptional or amazing goal is more relevant to epic stories. So something like the Lord of the Rings, or the name of the wind, Naruto, where, where, it's a, where it's more or less an epic fantasy versus a basic slice of life story or a drama, a comedy. However, all that being said, there's, there's usually just some sort of unique quirk. I, I would say that that exceptional quality can be replaced by a unique quirk that makes us identify with the character or makes us think, oh, there's, there's really something interesting about this person that makes me want to continue viewing this world through their lens. And actually, while doing prep for this, this episode, the, we came across a video by Super Eyepatch Wolf. It's a really great YouTube channel that really goes into a lot of depth on this. So we'd highly recommend checking out this video. But here are some of our cliff notes in addition to some of our other references. But when you're, when you're thinking of your protagonist, there's a wide selection to pick from. You have incredibly overpowered beings like Goku and Superman in the context of their world. You have people who are fairly weak and not able to do much. There's Ganta, Igarashi Ganta from Dead Man Wonderland, who is not that weak, but in the context of his world, he's not very strong. But that in itself creates a, an interesting lens because... You know, there are many different flavors to pick from. And if the flavor is always overpowered, then it can get a bit boring. If the flavor is always super weak and incompetent, it can get a bit frustrating because it's sometimes frustrating to watch an incompetent character. So that's one scale. 
that you can look at in terms of how competent your character is. And then the other scale as well is their moral landscape. So are we looking at a Boy Scout? You know, they always call Superman the Boy Scout. Or are we looking at someone who is more willing to cross the line like the Punisher or Guts from Berserk? So these are the different things to consider when you're constructing your character. How competent are they going to be? And what's their moral landscape like? And then you play around with how that evolves as the story develops. So are they going to become more powerful or perhaps even weaker? That's something you don't see very often as a character getting weaker in stories. Just a side note. Definitely. It was something to laugh at. Uh, you always see them go from the, the weak to the powerful scale. But I don't think I know a story that goes the other way around. Not with the protagonist. Oftentimes, if a character is getting weaker, they're usually a secondary character. So we keep on talking about Book No Hero Academia, but All Might is the perfect example of someone who's past his prime and, and, getting, and getting weaker. But I mean, I think there are a couple, I can't think of any manga specific examples, but The Wrestler, the movie The Wrestler is a great example of a character who he's a wrestler who's past his prime, but he's not quite ready to give up. And I think that those stories are kind of, you know, those stories are really, really interesting. I think that the challenge is, is with manga, it's, it's highly dominated by shonen, and shonen is for young people, so you want young characters. And it'd be weird if I was 12 and I'm already past <laughs> my physical peak. Yeah, that's, that's definitely a problem. Um, a story that actually comes to mind that's not manga or anime, sadly, this TV show called Perception. I, I don't know if you've heard about it. It's actually about this psychology a lecturer a professor who who solves crimes because he's able to empathize at such a deep level that he gets in the the criminal's head which is it's not that unique of a storytelling key because you find it in Hannibal and other stories but he does go from strong because the reason why he can empathize is because of his mental faculties aren't all that great he is suffering from several uh, mental illnesses and I don't, I think it's about season three where he, like when he does his empath thing, he really gets lost in it. Like he doesn't, he can't even solve the crimes anymore because he needs help. So it's, maybe he won't be there forever when in that point in season three, but it's definitely very good to see a, a very strong character, a powerful character. And when I say powerful, I don't always mean punching strength. It's the influence that they have upon their world or upon their immediate space. Uh, I'll look up perception, but given that this is Manga University, <laughs> I wanted us to examine some... No, I mean, I think it's, it's, it's cool to look at examples outside of the medium because it becomes a little... A friend once told me it becomes a little incestuous when you're only looking at examples from your favorites, from, from manga or, or comics. Sometimes it's nice to look at something outside and see how you can do something new, or it, it, it enriches the medium, shall I say. I did want to bring up some notes from Stephen King, who is the master of writing. They, when I was in screenwriting school, they often called him the master screenwriter, even though I don't think he's ever written a screenplay. So I think that same concept can apply to manga and comics. And he wrote a book called On Writing, which is his process on writing. And he spoke about constructing characters and how he, when he's constructing his characters, he really tries to, he, he personally, his own process is to think of people he knows and builds a, a fictional character around them 
to give them that feeling that they're real people. So for example, I don't know if many people have heard of Carrie. It's really, it's one of his, I think it was his, his most popular book at a point in time. And I think they've made two film adaptations out of it anyway. It's a horror film about a psychic girl who gets pushed to the edge. That's that's all I will say. Oh, there we go. I remember. Yeah, I, I remember that movie, yes. <laughs> okay, cool. Brilliant. It's pretty dark. So when Stephen King was thinking of the character of Carrie, he thought to himself, hmm, I'm not a woman. I'm not a teenage girl. So how do I write a teenage girl? Because I think as a, uh, as, as a writer, there's often this this temptation to write a character that's similar to yourself. So what he did is he thought, okay, when I was in high school, what were the teenage girls like? And then he corroborated the personality quirks with his wife, who said, oh, no, a teenage girl wouldn't do this. Or, yes, she'd definitely do this. And, and, and by making a character based on a real person, it just gives that extra touch that gives the story some added quality that's hard to, to articulate in words. But I think part of the challenge with protagonists is oftentimes they don't have that real touch. They just feel like an, a, a cookie-cutter sort of archetype that, that we see. I mean, this is very, very common in shonen comics, but it's also very common in superhero comics as well. <coughs> Natsu <coughs> from Fairy Tale. <coughs> Sorry. Wow. Oh, my throat. <coughs> Wow. <laughs> I really should stop doing that. No, but I, I mean, I'll, I'll do it in a more forthright way. I think Natsu from Fairy Tale is a perfect example of a character that seems like an archetype. He simply just wants to protect his friends, but there's nothing that unique about his personality that makes you really feel like this is, is a person. Do you, do you see where I'm coming from with the example of Natsu? No, I, I definitely see what you're saying. It's... He's just like, in, in my opinion, obviously other people have all other opinions. I just want to protect myself. I don't <laughs> want to get attacked. He is a very cookie, cookie cut main character sprinkled with a lot of tropes that oh, oh, fairy tale frustrates me a lot. <laughs> for many reasons <laughs> and, and don't but get me wrong of, some, some people enjoy that some people just enjoy reliving the experience of certain archetypes and tropes that, that's fine I suppose what, but, but I suppose there's just nothing you, you wouldn't study Natsu in, in, a, in a class on how to, to construct a character I suppose is the, the no. point I'm trying to make you know you can c- compare him to another shonen-esque character like Naruto and Naruto has so many personality traits that already make him feel like a real person. You know, he's, he's very perverted, which is very like, yeah, I, I can see how a teenage boy w- would be like that. He, he, he likes ramen. You know, that's his favorite food. He, he, he has a funny way of approaching girls that he likes and has a funny way of, of being completely oblivious to, to people that like him. And, and these are just little tiny personality quirks that really make a huge difference in setting, in my opinion, characters like Naruto, apart from characters like Natsu. It's, to sum up what you said, it makes Naruto more human. Exactly. And I, and I think it also makes itself evident as the story evolves because he oscillates between despair or, or some level of despair to confidence and hope. He goes through the whole emotional spectrum which is what we many human beings go through i mean i think a lot of people are somewhat consistent but a lot of us oscillate between this these different states of consciousness 
And, and I think that that is why you want your protagonist to, to feel real because that's, that's what we go through and it makes it easier for us to, to, to identify with them. I mean, the last good example I'll drop is Ipo from Hajime Ipo. I actually just started watching the series recently because I, because I was doing research for this episode and they said, and, and your someone said, you, you need to check out this guy. And his, and his story, his backstory is really, really simple. He's just a kid that's bullied. His family isn't particularly rich, so he has to spend, instead of making friends, he has to leave school and help his mother out. And one day he gets rescued by a bunch of, he gets rescued by a professional boxer when a bunch of kids are bullying him and decides that he wants to become a boxer. And that might seem cliche, but the tiny touches of seeing Ipo alone in the classroom and people are standing outside of the classroom making fun of him and he can hear them. Those tiny touches do a lot to, to make us care about him as a character, even though there are a lot of tropes that they're using in the story. Which, which is fine. Definitely, there's nothing new under the sun. You know when you get like a, a meal, a set meal, chicken and rice, if you keep having chicken and rice, it becomes bland. It's, it's, how, you prep, it's how you prepare the meal and how you serve the meal. So... Mm it's a combination of tropes and it's how you deliver the tropes that make it different. It's fine to have a, a bullied main character who seeks sport as a release slash becomes their goal. But if that is what it is word for word, then it's like, that's a straight up chicken and rice trope. I'm not coining that term. <laughs> if it becomes a thing, I want money. <laughs> and, and, and to build on what you said, I mean, I'm somewhat repeating myself, but it's, again, it's those little touches. It's not the fact that he's just bullied, but it's us soaking in the the kids laughing at him and him being left alone and, and just watching that scene for a couple of seconds that really sets it sets it in. You know, it's just something a, a, as little as a character looking at him with a little bit of disdain. Just those tiny touches can and and, and I mean when we go into secondary characters we we'll talk about how they actually also mold how we perceive the, the protagonist. But another thing that uh, I wanted to talk about as well is how a lot of the greats construct their characters. A, a good example is one, the creator of, what well, was the pseudonym for the creator of One Punch, One Punch Man and, and Mob Psycho 100. And what's really interesting is that in both of these stories, the main, the protagonist is overpowered in the context of their world. And... On the surface, it's, it's almost like, oh, what? Like Mob Psycho 100 is another one-punch man. But when you look at the personality traits of the characters, Saitama is confident, uh, he's unwavering, and he, and he knows where he wants to... And, and, he, and he wants to become a hero. He wants to stand out. Whereas Mob is actually very meek. He's shy. He's not very confident. And he doesn't actually want to stand out. He wants to be like a normal person. So, you know, you were talking about preparing and flavoring chicken and rice. And I think what one has done here is an excellent way or is an excellent demonstration of how to prepare the chicken and rice in, in a different way. You have two overpowered yes. characters and then you infuse two different flavors in them and it creates a uniquely different story. And both One Punch Man and Mob Psycho 100 are excellent narratives, in my opinion. No, I'm hungry. <laughs> we should have called this episode Chicken and Rice. <laughs> yeah, we should. We should have. It's too late now. Too late.
next time. But another thing I wanted to talk about really quickly before we start to round things off is the the concept of the protagonist's journey. So I think we alluded to the hero's journey in a previous episode, and it, it essentially follows three arcs. The first one is the departure, so the call to action. So in the case of, I mean, One Punch Man and Mob Psycho 100 aren't great examples because they're, they're very atypical stories. Uh, but let's go with Hajime Ippo, for example. For Hajime Ippo, the, the departure point is him deciding to become a boxer. The initiation is him being accepted into the boxing school. And then the return is him returning to the world or the world that he knows as an accomplished or somewhat accomplished boxer. And, and this is usually the, the arc that a lot of, of, of writers employ. And I think that what's interesting is the way the, across these, this arc, the, the hero will go through different oscillations in terms of their personality. You know, I alluded to this earlier. So they might start off hopeful, but then they might see something terrifying that draws them into despair, despair but then they come back to hope again. And, and their, their personality will change somewhat as they transpose through this this fulcrum and i think that this is the way you kind of keep the protagonist fresh is by throwing new challenges at them that changes the the scope through which they view life the problem comes or at least in manga when you throw challenges at a character some people don't know how to understand that so they just make it the they, uh, the, the power escalation problem in man. Right. <laughs> um, when you keep throwing the same thread but bigger, it's not really progression. We haven't moved past how to deal with these threads. I'm going to use an example from a movie that was very divisive and uh, controversial. It's Batman in Batman v Superman, the, the sequel to Man of Steel. And in Man of Steel, he had no fighting experience. A monster came and or monster being Zod, Zod came and then they completely destroyed the city and became like the whole social issue because it reminded people of certain real life events. But if you paid attention in, in Batman v Superman, he, when he fought Doomsday, he did not fight Doomsday in the city. At least that's not how it started off. He picked him up and took him into space because he's learned from that. He's, he's dealing with the same problem at a different level. And that in itself is character development. He didn't just straight up to start bumpering this guy against the walls. He was like, no, the last time this happened, this happened. If I don't change my approach, then the outcome doesn't change. And I feel like it's something to learn from. Exactly. And I, and I would say that the complete antithesis to this is something like Dragon Ball Z or Dragon Ball Super where the, is the same character doing the same thing over and over and over again. And this is not necessarily a critique. It's just the, the, the point is that the, it's, you know, Goku hasn't really changed at all throughout the whole series. And I mean, I, think, I guess that's part of the point is it's not necessarily supposed to be a moral landscape, but it is something to, to juxtapose to the point that you, you previously made. Yeah. <laughs> in any case, I know there's more you want to say to that, but since we're running low on time, I, I think I, I landed that jab in at the right time. <laughs> in any case, I think for our manga of the week, Hajime Ippo is the perfect thing to look at in terms of constructing a main character. Because 
what, what I want you to look out for when you're reading Hajime Ippo is the little touches that I, I, I alluded to. So it's not just the fact that he's bullied, he's isolated, and he discovers boxing. It's those scenes where the weight of his pain and his situation really sink in, those panels and those page turners that I want you to look out for because that is what will, will make all the difference if you're thinking about building a protagonist. I haven't uh, picked up Hajime yet. Like, I can't jump into a thousand chapter series. I just feel like I'll never get to the end or I'll never catch up. But the, the way you've sold it, fine-tuning to the nuances, to the characters' interactions with themselves, with the world, with their abilities, how they progress, it's, it's amazing. So I'm going to give Hajime no Ibon a chance. In any case, I think we, we've, you know, the, building a protagonist is a substantial task and is certainly beyond the scope of a 20-minute conversation. But hopefully what today's podcast has done is giving you an idea of how to start thinking about your protagonist. And in that spirit, for today's rising prompt, I, I have an idea, actually. Since I brought up One's, you know, One, the creator of One Punch Man, and it's always so confusing, One, One made One Punch Man. One Punch Man. <laughs> but anyways, <laughs> the point I'm trying to make is, since I brought up One's comics, One Punch Man and Mob Psycho, I want you to think about it based on that same concept. I, I just want you to take a character. Is he going to be overpowered or is he going to be weak? Is he going to be moral and upstanding or is he going to be amoral? Just think of those two things, right? Uh, strength and morality. Take that and then add unique personality traits to that character and see how what what emerges how they how they you know we spoke about discovery writing so i think like if, if you can if you can drill down the personality then the character will tell you the story that they want to be, be part of in a way so drill down your first think of what end of the spectrum you want the character to be in terms of strength and morality then come up with three to four personality traits and see how that fits in with your outline Presumably you have one by now if you've been doing your homework. <laughs> Hopefully. Hopefully. All right, brilliant. Guys, today's podcast has been... Actually, no, before I get to that, guys, thanks very much for joining us today. Like I said, if you have any questions, comments, or feedback, let us know in the ratings and reviews. Feel free to say hi to us on Twitter at manga, M-A-N-G-A, underscore, S-C-H-O-O-L. And otherwise... Don't forget to leave a rating and review on iTunes because that's the best way to help this podcast spread so we can help more aspiring and also current creators as well. And that's more or less it for today, guys. Thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget, next week we'll be looking at secondary characters. <laughs>